you got to have trust within the organization. You cannot have productive conflict if you don't have trust of the other person and they don't have trust of you. And, and as long as you have a high level of respect, productive conflict is the most powerful thing in organizations today. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. I recently watched one of those time travel sci-fi movies. You know, the ones where the character travels back in time and meets his younger self. It got me thinking. What if I could travel back in time? Or what if you could travel back in time and we could meet our younger selves? What would we say to them? Are there lessons we have learned as CIOs we would like to pass along? Are there lessons about life we would like to pass along? Well, I'm sorry that we here on Status Go have not invented time travel yet. However, we are going to talk about some lessons We can all benefit from hearing, whether we are just starting our career journeys, deep in the journey, or wrapping up our career journeys. Our guest today on Status Go is Paul Sylvester. Paul is a former CIO, and today he runs Team Sylvester Executive Behavioral Coaching. Welcome to Status Go, Paul. Well, thanks, Jeff. It's a pleasure being here with you. I'm really excited about diving into our, our, our topic for today, but before we get to that, I would really love for you to share with our listeners a little bit about your journey. I mentioned you're a former CIO, now you're an executive coach. Talk to us about how you became a CIO and then what comes next. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Uh, you know, it goes back to uh, in high school, uh, I had a great counselor and would spend a lot of time with him. Uh, some people called it detention, but I called it uh, <laughs> counseling. But uh, he uh, he really helped me back when I was a junior. Uh, think of the answer to the question of what do, what do I want to do when I grow up? And I back then it was IS, and so uh, I got he he enrolled me into uh, a trade school where I went for half a day three days a week, and I was taught programming down at Central Nine Vocational School. And from there, I, I, I attended Ball State, uh, went there to play baseball, had an injury or two, didn't work out well, and found out that what I had already learned at Central Nine was years beyond what Ball State was teaching in their IS program. So I decided to, to, to leave school and I got a job at Methodist Hospital where I was lead computer operator for a handful of years. And uh, from there, I moved on uh, to a couple different organizations. And right around 1999 was a deciding factor because everybody was afraid uh, IT was gonna crash. And uh, AFC, Automotive Finance Corporation, I came on in September. They had gone through two vice presidents within a year and a half of technology. 
And uh, I had to promise them that the system would not shut down at midnight on New yeah. Year's Eve. So I said, well, this is easy. Gosh, I'll only be working here three, four months. So <laughs> I promised them. I promised them that the systems would not shut down. And, you know, from there, Automotive Finance Corporation was uh, uh, the finance arm of, of uh, Adesso Auto Auctions. And in a couple of years, uh, Minnesota Power bought out Adesa and all their subsidiaries. And at that point, the chairman of Minnesota Power appointed me CIO of CAR, K-A-R. And uh, about two years after that, we went public on the New York Stock Exchange. And our product was just making money hand over fist. And uh, it was a great opportunity. I, uh, I learned so much personally and professionally about myself and others that after a life-changing event, I had to have open heart surgery after taking a uh, car public that I decided I was going to, I was going to find out who I really was and reinvent myself. Mm -hmm. And I left car and um, bought a international coaching franchise, did that for five years. After the five-year commitment, I, I rebranded myself and uh, we've been Team Sylvester ever since. That, that's awesome. And I know we're going we're gonna to talk about more, more about that journey, but I, I appreciate you sharing that with, with our, our listeners, Paul. So for our listeners, Paul and I had a chance to sit down over coffee uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about uh, one of the networking groups that, that I'm affiliated with, and I know we've talked about that here on Status Go before, the Indiana CIO Network. And we were talking about perhaps Paul coming and, and leading a, a session with that group. And he threw out an idea for a topic that was just, it was just, it caught my attention. It was pretty provocative. It was uh, what I failed at as a CIO. Uh, so Paul, let me ask you, what did you fail at as a CIO? It sounds like you were pretty successful. Oh my gosh, Jeff, you should have warned me about that. My gosh, I'm exposed. Uh, no, I think it's always been in the back of my mind because uh, all of us grade ourselves, uh, not as much as we grade others, but we do grade ourselves uh, more during, uh, well, during and then more afterwards than, than, uh, than we possibly should before doing something. And, you know, I've, through my whole career, there were ups and downs. And I think that's probably safe to say with anybody that's making a difference. And, you know, one of the things that when I, when I got to the vice president role, I didn't have someone in technology overseeing me or better yet, taking care of me. I was reporting to the CFO, the COO, and uh, uh, so that led to problems, relationship type problems. Uh, CFOs back then, and a lot of them still do today, look at IT as an expense instead of an investment. And, mm -hmm. and then you have issues where a COO or anyone else may not fully understand what the nature of the work is. 
and why you have to do what you do and spend what you spend. But, you know, back in the, uh, once we got past uh, all the machines working, um, New Year's Day 2000, uh, you know, it was the classic and always has been and still is disruption between relationships. And what happens more times than not, and this is what led me to coaching, is the word conflict, when people hear the word conflict, most everyone thinks it's a negative because we built that in. Uh, productive conflict is, is very powerful. And the companies that are doing productive conflict are more successful than the ones that aren't. But conflict is always who's going to win, you know, and, and it's a challenge and competitiveness. And one of the things I failed at mostly was um, putting the gloves on instead of saying, no, I'm not getting in the ring with you. Let's work this out. Let's mm -hmm. work this out for the organization. And a lot of times, uh, uh, you know, it was very poor behaviors on individuals wanting to get their way at the senior level position. And it, it just, I wish I would have negotiated better. I had negotiating skills back then. They're a thousand times better now. I never negotiated. It was always you against me. And, and boy, we're going to rumble. We're going to rumble yeah. because I believe in what I'm doing. Uh, you obviously don't like what I'm doing or have different thoughts. And, you know, it, in AFC, it came down to, uh, Jeff, that uh, AFC was writing a new software application and they were three years overdue and four or five million over budget. And I came in and I went through, I don't know, 12 interviews. And finally I, I said, you know, if you guys can't make your decision, take my name out of the hat. And, and I think that helped them make the decision. Uh, but again, uh, you know, the CFO and I just butted heads every day of the week, every day of the year, and we were ready to go live. And, and uh, you know, one or two of the senior leaders didn't have enough confidence in what my team had put together over nine months. We, we were delivering it nine months after I took over. And, and they just didn't have the confidence and I didn't do a very good job as negotiating it until it came down to two hours before we're going live, 10, 10 p.m. On a, on a Friday night. So we'd have the whole weekend to get it up and running. And I had to pull team members in to talk to the senior management team so that they could express their level of confidence in what we were going to do. And excuse me, instead of, instead of relying on the, the position, it, it really was disheartful to have to go through something like that. Um, you know, we go live, it works, we lost a penny, um, uh, literally uh, hundreds of millions of dollars, and we couldn't find a penny uh, from the cutover. So, and the CFO finally said, I told you so, and we'll continue to move forward. 
but the behavior that that back then, and I still see it today, and I know you're a coach, it's too personal. It can get just too personal instead of what is the outcome for the organization. You know, when I got to Carr, uh, we were a little bit dysfunctional at the senior level position, and um, the chairman brought in companies to help fix us. And no one, no one really knew how. So that's when I was playing in my mind that, gosh, there's probably something beyond being a CIO. And uh, after my life-changing event, I decided to do that. So now for the last 16 years, I've been helping CIOs through life-changing events without going through a life-changing event. <laughs> that, that's, that's good. Well, there, there was a lot in, in there that you talked about, Paul, and I want to, I want to pull out a couple of, a couple of things. One is uh, this idea of, of conflict. And uh, I don't think you use the phrase, but I'll use the phrase positive conflict um, rather than um, you against me. It's let's try to solve this issue. Right. Right. Um, and you, you create productive conflict. How, how do people, how should people approach conflict? It sounds to me like you are maybe a conflict avoider to, to put a label on it uh, at first. And now you've learned how to, how to handle that better. So how do you, how do people approach conflict or how should they? Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. Great question. And I, I don't ever, uh, I, I don't, think that I was ever avoiding conflict. I probably was egging it on more than anything. <laughs> so um, I always liked a good verbal fight and, you know, <clears throat> maybe once or twice a little push. <clears throat> but um, Patrick Lencioni, in The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, he wrote the book back in the 90s. And, yeah. and I read it and I said, boy, I want to be Patrick. And uh, he's one of my mentors. In fact, for a handful of years, he was one of my coaches. And I am uh, licensed to, to coach the five behaviors of a productive team. Ah. And it's based on assessments and uh, it's powerful. It's built on trust, conflict, commitment, accountability, and then results. And, you know, trust is the, is, is the, the biggest piece. You got to have trust within the organization. Uh, you cannot have productive conflict if you don't have trust of the other person and they don't have trust of you. Uh, when you gain that, that trust, and it shouldn't be uh, based on predictable trust, it should be based on humility. And, and once you have that with, as many individuals as you can have that relationship in the organization, then it comes up to conflict. And mm -hmm. if the trust is there, the productive conflict is, hey, I don't agree with, with your thoughts or how you're stating them, but I'm going to listen anyway because I'm going to find out what I need to do to get closer to a resolution based on what I'm hearing instead of based on what I'm telling. And, um, and as long as you have a high level of respect, productive conflict is 
the most powerful thing in organizations today. And then from there, you got commitment and accountability. Uh, you know, the accountability is huge and, and not everyone, whether a CIO or any other C-level or VP or director, they've got to learn how to manage their peers and their bosses as much as how they manage their, the people that report to them. And yeah, it's, it's yeah. and that's another thing I failed at. I did not manage up well at all. And I did not manage well, um, relationships from a peer side. And, uh, you know, I got along with most everyone. We were a, really a good team. We just weren't a great team. And, you know, I was there to get something accomplished instead of building relationships. Yeah, yeah. And that was a mistake. Well, the, the other thing that you mentioned uh, earlier, Paul, was uh, negotiation. And and I think uh, a, a lot of our listeners, I, I know I as a, a CIO uh, back in the day, when you hear that, you're thinking, uh, vendor negotiations, right? Yeah. You're negotiating contracts, you're negotiating uh, service level agreements, whatever whatever it may be. But you're talking about it at a peer or or um, supervisor up type relationship, right? It's it's not just negotiating contracts; it's negotiating resolution to conflict and other things. So, how do you learn? How did you make that pivot in understanding about negotiation? Great question. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, it, you know, I negotiated with my employees until I got to a point where it wasn't, uh, it didn't look like they were really understanding what I wanted to get done. So sometimes I had to pull the trump card. A lot of times I negotiated very well with my employees. Uh, my, my vendors, we had great relationships. I wish I would have had uh, vendor relationships with uh, my peers and um, my supervisors. Uh, things would have been much, much different. Uh, but you're right, it is managing up and it is managing across. And that's, that's probably, I still see it today, and you could probably tell a story or two also, that our behaviors are not where they should be in 2023. And uh, the world has changed. Uh, a lot of our behaviors haven't. Uh, the X, Y, Z um, generations uh, are different to manage than what they were 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And the secret sauce is negotiating relationships without giving everything away or without bullying somebody to get everything you want. And, you know, again, to me, that was a lesson that I learned later in, in my career as well. It's is hopefully by having these kinds of conversations, some of our listeners are going to hear that and uh, maybe go out and work on their negotiation skills, go out and work on their their uh, productive conflict skills. Um, as, as you're thinking about uh, that time in you, in your career, um, I'm, I'm going to put words in your mouth a, a little bit here, Paul, and, and say uh, it was also about learning to take care of you in all of this, right? 
Yeah, you know, Jeff, and it, when you're traveling on an airplane before you take off, the flight attendants will tell you that you have to put on the oxygen mask before you help anyone else. And that's that's kind of my that's that's my belief. Uh, after I had open heart surgery, wasn't supposed to survive. I had to say goodbye to my wife, three girls in high school. I had my last rites given to me. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just didn't take care of myself as much as I should have. In fact, the cardiologist and the surgeon both said I was always going to have to have open heart surgery due to a birth defect. But I was there 15 years too early, and it was probably stress. And when I look back, I would say stress was through the roof, and I didn't handle it well. I probably added to it. So now in coaching, if I sign a client that is over 40 years old, uh, they have to have a complete physical before I coach them. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, because heart, you know, we're just leaving uh, February, Heart, Aware heart Awareness Month. And, yep. and I tell you, Jeff, I've had a handful of clients through the years that have gone in and found whether it's heart or something else that needed attention that they did not know about prior to. And at first, they're not happy with me because their their answer is, well, if you wouldn't have pushed me to do this, I wouldn't know it. <laughs> I said, well, can, can, I call, can I call your wife or your husband or your significant other and ask them how they feel about this now or your kids? Yeah. So I was a good dad. I was a good husband. I, I spent, I was more married to corporate, the corporate world than I should have been. I was off balance. I was successful. I got to be one of 12 people to ring the bell on the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, you know, I had a couple hundred people that reported to me. Uh, I was with Automotive Finance and Car for uh, about five years. We did a lot of good, good to great things. Uh, I wish I would have taken care of myself better. And that's my message in all of my coaching is you got to start with you. You got to start with how are you before you can go out and change the world productively? Yeah. Well, and, and I think that's an important message for uh, our listeners. We, we talked a lot about that during the, the, the COVID outbreak back in uh, 2020 and 2021 about the importance of taking care of yourself and, uh, uh, I love the uh, the metaphor of the airline about putting the mask on yourself before you put it on someone else. Because I think, especially back then, we were all focused on hey, taking care of our teams, right? Let's let's take care of our teams, and we sometimes forgot to take care of ourselves. But I think it's a message that that goes well beyond uh, what we've just experienced the last three years. Uh, it's uh, it's it's. Uh, something we need to do each and every day is think about ourselves uh, and take care of ourselves so that we can lead. Um, now I want to pivot a little bit here 
uh, I, I know the, the, the title that, uh, that kind of jumped out at me was uh, what I failed at as a, as a CIO. I'd, I'd love to hear uh, when you look back on that part of your career, the, the pre-coaching part of your career, what's one or two things that jump out at you that you're most proud of? Yeah, that, that's a great question. One of the two or three things I'm most proud of is, is learning how to take care of my employees, keeping them away from, from, the, from the pressure and angst against the IT team in a crisis chaotic mode. At AFC and CAR, uh, our problem was that we had an open checkbook and everyone felt like that we should have delivered uh, everything sooner than we were able to. Money could not take care of take care of it. And I remember that uh, I you know every month I'd come down from the board meeting and all my employees would would see me come off the elevator. And they would look at my behavior, my facial and my body language. And the first couple of times, you know, I, I might have even said that, wow, I just got bloodied, you know, and uh, and I learned very quickly that that changed the energy for the whole floor. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So after every board meeting, I learned to come off that elevator and do high fives and and put a little kick in my step you know, and, and tell everybody, hey, we're doing great. Everything's fine. We just got to do a little bit better. And then I'd pull my VPs in and say, okay, so this is what we really need to work on. You know, yeah, here, yeah. here's the message that was delivered. And now we got to get our teams to do that. And, and, you know, Jeff, a couple hundred people on that floor, and we had great camaraderie. Uh, everyone worked hard. And and there were very few, if any, slackers. And that's probably my biggest accomplishment was being able to lead, uh, you know, being an ex-athlete and, and that uh, team has always been very important to me. So yeah. I, I really felt like even though the organization as a whole wasn't as happy as they wanted to be, and they probably used the fear tactic or the bullying tactic more than they should have to mm -hmm. think that they're going to motivate me more than what right. I already was. Yeah. So, yeah. so I would come off the elevator high five and just have a bunch of fun for five minutes. And uh, yeah. I, I really liked who I was then. That, that team concept is when you've got a team and it, and it is clicking on all cylinders, I tell you that I, there's nothing that really beats that. Is yeah. there when, when you've got that, that kind of camaraderie with a, a group of people, cause you're sharing a, a vision, you're sharing a mission. You're all going in the, in the right, in the same direction there. Uh, really as a leader, that's, that's what you hope for Yeah, uh, with that. Yeah. Yeah. So when you think about um, your career, uh, since you stepped away from being a CIO, so as a coach, uh, without naming names and, and and all that, what's what's one or two of your biggest accomplishments in that phase of your career? 
Well, you know, there's a handful and, uh, you know, in, in my coaching career, I've been fired once and I've, and I've fired two clients. Uh, but, uh, you know, the success is getting individuals, whether they're an entrepreneur or a C-level position to understand who they are, how people really see them. And based on that, how would they want to improve both their professional and personal life? And, and then we set goals and we set actions. And then I'm the accountability coach. And, uh, you know, if anyone would go out to my website, I have a handful of, uh, testimonials out there and there's uh, out of the handful, there's a couple that say, Hey, I don't, I'm going to talk to you about what he did for me professionally, but before I do, I want to tell you what he's done for me personally. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he helped save a marriage. He, he helped me realize my kids were more important than what I was realizing them to be. So that's, yeah. those are life-changing events, Jeff. And, and yeah. it, it's, um, it, it's just, it's so, the gratitude is so high and I'm humbled. I'm humbled that I've been blessed to be able to help people at every level of organization, whether it's CEO of a Fortune 100 organization or an entrepreneur trying to start something. Uh, it's humbling for the success that I've, I've had by teaching them their own behavior matters first. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people say, uh, you know, whatever you do well, do it all the time. Whatever you don't do well, don't do it. I disagree with that a thousand percent. My philosophy is do what you do well 80% of the time. What you don't do well, figure out how it affects the organization or the family. And if uh-huh. by you changing a behavior would improve that, you better get pretty damn good at it quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I love that. Um, I I always I always go back to the. I think it was Peter Drucker that I don't know, I'm going to paraphrase. He says, uh, "Maximize your strengths to make your weaknesses irrelevant." Uh, and he's always misquoted because that's not actually what he said, right? right. What he actually right. said was you have to understand your strengths and you have to understand your weaknesses. Absolutely. Uh, and, and so I love that you uh, you throw out the 80-20 rule on that. Well, well, Paul, we are, we are running out of time. Uh, I knew this would just fly by as you and I started this conversation. And when, when I think about status go, one of the things that it really says to me, and I, I know our listeners will agree, is that we're about driving action. Uh, our listeners are IT leaders, technology leaders who really want to break out of the status quo and drive change in their organization. So let's leave them with maybe one or two things that they should do tomorrow because they listen to our conversation today. Love that, Jeff. Love that. And the the first thing is all your listeners should go out and look at my website and see if there's any opportunity for what I do that would be able to help them. Now, what I say next is even more important. It's just not my website. It's every one of your guests. 
they should, if they listen to the podcast, they should go out and learn more about that guest and figure out what that guest could help them improve on based on the podcast. Jeff, I have, I ask people all the time, do you read books? Yes. How many do you read? Oh, I read 10, 12, 15 a year. Great. What action do you take from it? What do you change in your personal or professional life based on what you've read? And they look at me like a deer in headlights. <laughs> and and for your and you're a verbal book. You are a podcast. So I would I would challenge everyone to take that first action. The second action would be if you're over 40, male or female, go get a physical to find out where you're at. And then for the people in your department that are of that same age or greater, suggest to them that they go do it also. Uh, we have $49 heart checks now that take 30, yeah. 45 minutes, non-evasive. And uh, uh, I was a walking time bomb. And I'm just blessed that the, the events happened like they did that led me to walk into a hospital, healthy as a, my, my belief was I was healthy, and internally I wasn't. I got to walk all three daughters down the, down the, uh, uh, you know, the, the marriage path. I've got uh, nine grandkids under 10 years old, and this all started back in 2004, Jeff. So yeah. if, uh, if I wasn't as lucky and blessed as I am, uh, uh, we wouldn't be having this conversation, and my grandkids uh, would maybe look at a picture once a year. Yeah, well, I I I love those actions, Paul, and uh, I appreciate uh, encouraging our listeners to to go to our guest websites uh, because uh, the guests are giving their time to lend their insights and their expertise, just as as you have done today. So. Uh, I, I really appreciate that. And, and I think uh, the, the action of going and getting your health checked out uh, is huge. Um, uh, we can all benefit from knowing more about where we are from a health perspective. Uh, and we just don't know what things are going on inside without going to look. So that is fantastic advice as well. Uh, I, for one, am glad that uh, we have met and that you are still here uh, to be able to share these insights. It has meant a lot to me uh, and to our listeners. I, I know it will mean a lot to you uh, as you reflect on Paul's words uh, today. So, Paul, I got to thank you for carving out time to sit down and, and talk with us today. Uh, I do believe we will have that conversation with the Indiana CIO Network uh, yeah. at some point in the future. And glad we could have it first here on Status Go. So thank you. And Jeff, you're doing a wonderful, great job by being who you are and doing this podcast and who you are in the community. Uh, I thank you. Well, th thank you for that. I appreciate that. To our listeners, if you want to learn more, be sure and visit intervision.com. Uh, if you want to learn more specifically about this podcast, visit intervision.com slash status dash go. Uh, the show notes will provide links and contact information, and we'll be sure and have a link to Paul's website there so that you can take that action. Uh, 
uh, and check out his website. This is Jeff Tun for Paul Sylvester. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.